Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Together, a Brighton and Ove Albion podcast. And uh, what a thrilling set of fixtures we've had this week to look through. Uh, some proper glamour ties, having the visit up to West Bromwich Albion uh, and the visitors of Burnley. And, uh, well, the only team, uh, Burnley, the only team I've had Seagulls player apologise for their vulgar language caught on recording. And uh, we have plenty to say on West Bromwich Albion's attitude as well. So we have our top five stories of the week this week. And uh, honestly, it just reads like a tragedy, so uh, prepare yourselves, because you know how this week has gone as much as anybody else. Um, So, top five stories of the week. Story number one, uh, West Bromwich Albion away. Let's focus on that. Uh, We put out a nice-looking lineup this week. Uh, All the Bs, uh, buttoning goal, Bruno, replaced by Bong, amazingly. Uh, Balogun, Burn, Bernardo, Bissouma. Um, We had all of the Bs. We also had Knockart. Kyle Gayakeres, who got the start, and Johan Baksh, uh, who got the start. And it was a good lineup. It was a really solid lineup. Um, we went 4-4-1-1. Um, we went back to back to the original lineup we've had for the last kind of 18 months in the Premier League uh, before River into a 4-3-3. Um, and it was almost 4-4-2 at times with AJ behind or with Andone. Um, and it was really quite an interesting setup. Um AJ almost looked like a new signing. Uh, a couple of you Brighton fans that listen to this podcast um, really came into the fold with the signing of Jahan Baksh. And it, maybe this is the man that we signed originally. So he looked really good. Uh, he, he looked fast. He looked agile. He looked good. He had a good cross on him. Uh, he had a good shot on him. You know, he had five shots, two key passes from him. Um, very good return for him. And... I think there, there may be good things to come from Ali Reza. Uh, and Knockart equally looked very bright. Um, six key passes. Uh, no shots when he shouldn't have, like, dragging shots wide, which is something he's been really prone to doing lately uh, when he's come on, dragging shots wide or taking a touch too much. Um, yeah, he made six key passes. Uh, some incredible crosses and set-piece work. Um, and he was also very good defensively, which I think is key to the reason he started to fall out of the side more regularly. Um, his original dropping was was kind of unbelievable. We went through this quite a while ago when Knockart was originally dropped after 10-11 games, and nobody knew why he was dropped. Nobody could understand it. He was probably in the best form he'd been in since the championship, and he maybe shouldn't have been dropped, but he was. Um, and ever since he came back, or whenever he was coming on, as a substitute, his defensive work was really poor. So it was nice to see him get back in the side and work defensively. I think that's going to be a uh, a telling thing going forward, and maybe that's going to be something that will help him get back into the side. Um, I thought Andone looked great as usual. Um, he got a goal, but the elbow did get him a three-game ban. Um, some fortunate. Uh, a lot of people are overreacting somewhat on the uh on the elbow you know it was it was a dirty move um absolutely but he's a he's a dirtier player and for what i for one i'm i'm not going to apologize for that um we haven't had a nasty piece of work playing for us since ashley barnes left and i think we're way overdue a new one and i think he is one um and i think he's that kind of nasty that we need um he's not somebody who's gonna fall on the floor and then refuse to chase back because he's annoyed like knockout can do um 
he's likely to get back up and hit you twice as hard as you hit him. And like I said, like we haven't had that since Ashley Barnes. And I'll take a couple of three game bans on occasion for that kind of uh, grit and nasty side because we've been needing one for a while. So um, he's out. He was out for the Burnley game. He's out for the FA Cup game against Derby. And he's away away at Leicester is also his final ban. Um so we just have Muzzer as the option up top. Um, whether he ends up playing against Derby, I'm not sure. Um, and really, the, we could have been four or five up in the in the 90 minutes, but we went to extra time, as you know. Um, and the Murray substitution was the one that mattered. Uh, he came on for Jahanbach, and he changed the game entirely. Um, you know, he only made seven touches in the game and scored from two of them. Uh, that really is Glenn Murray at his best. Uh David Proper and uh, Jürgen Lagardia both with an assist. Um, and I thought altogether we looked very good and very comfortable in that formation again. Um, the only bad I'm going to give is the goal they scored. Uh, what on earth Balogun was doing <laughs> is just beyond me. Uh, it was absolutely atrocious. Somebody likened it to someone's uh, PlayStation controller losing battery during a set piece in FIFA. And people just standing there because it really was that way. Uh, quite what Balogun was doing is just unreal. Um, and Bernardo is back. Uh, big plus for him. Um, he really looks a different class when he gets on there as a fullback. Uh, he is so good at his game. Um, and the debut for Victor Gaiacares. Uh Obviously, we've seen him come on once or twice as a substitute, but I believe this was his first uh, first team start. Um, two shots, a key pass, um, and he looked he looked really up for it. He looked he looked good. It was a solid debut. Um, can there be a cup run in the making? Uh, I think it's possible. We have Derby next at home. Um, it will be interesting to see how the most recent result affects that, and we will get to that later on. Uh, so the fifth story of the week was the West Brom away. Uh, mostly just the good of it because uh, story number four is the uh, the racism that took place during during the West Bromwich Albion game. And it was interesting because I spent most of my <laughs> most of my Thursday and Wednesday evening arguing with a bunch of backward racists on Twitter. Uh, through the Twitter account you can see that saga unfold on there. Um, there was a lot of lot of people on there, um, some as old as fifty years old justifying uh, booing Gaytan Bong. Um, we talked about this when it when Burnley, I believe the last time we played Burnley and this happened as well. Um, the the implication that a person can make an accusation, uh, and I'm sure that Gaetan Bong genuinely believes he was racially abused or whatever, right? Racially, yeah, racially abused, um, and you know, to to make the implication of well, it wasn't found to be true um, because of the lack of evidence, we're going to vilify you for the rest of the, the t every other time we play you. Um, you know, it's, it's no different to shouting threats at a woman who feels like she was raped, but can't prove it. Like it's so dodgy and it's a real steady decline in, in basic morality. Um, when people argue for the idea of booing someone like that. Um, it's it's problematic, and, and it goes to show that there are still hurdles that we have to overcome in the game, uh, in the UK. And it's, and it's, you know, when you compare it to France and Greece and a lot of the European clubs, like, it's small fry, but the fact that 
Bong was booed two games back to back, both at West Brom and then at Burnley yesterday, um, simply for being a black man who felt like he was he was abused is like so so wrong. Like it's so sketchy, and how anybody can you know like the mental gymnastics people were going through is genuinely quite unbelievable and. I'm not sure if Kick It Out have made a statement yet, and, I, and I'm, I'll check it later on, And but I'll be really disappointed if they haven't. Um, West Bromwich Albion are protecting their own. They're saying that they did nothing wrong, um, which is unbelievable. West Bromwich Albion journalists are getting into it online because they're protecting the idea that booing someone for feeling like they were abused is, is okay. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that these things are still happening, um, and really, it it shone a spotlight on the work that we still need to do as a country and as a football community. Um, and, you know, it was, some people are still vile people. Um, there was a video clip that went around uh, on Saturday of uh, some fans who were in the away end against Cardiff yesterday making plain um, aeroplane gestures uh, at the fact that Salah is was killed in a plane crash and you know i believe that there was two of them they're going to get a they're probably going to get a lifetime ban from southampton for that you know like what was it worth it i don't think it was worth it um it, it's there's a there is a line between um there is a line between offensive jokes and just being offensive um and i feel like some people don't quite understand the line and with social media and cameras everywhere uh unfortunately it's catching up to these people who don't under seem to understand the line and prefer to just be offensive um so that was that that was my story fourth story of the week um because i think it does need covering and you know brighton do a lot for the community they do a lot for the lgbtq community they do a lot for everybody uh within brighton um, and Sussex, and it's worth calling out that there is still work to be done elsewhere, um, and maybe even within the community too. But it was it was a sad sight to see, uh, and we still need to do some work on that. So work we shall, I hope. Um, but my third story of the week. Now my third story of the week is a more positive one. Um, speaking of ticket bans. Um, this is a really cool story this week, and I'm not sure how many of you have seen it, so I'm going to read uh, from basically an excerpt from the official site itself. Um, Brighton are actually going to donate tickets um, that are reclaimed from anti-social football fans. So fans that are doing these offensive things on Twitter and on, in front of cameras or in front of stewards um, who are getting banned or are losing their season tickets are actually having their tickets now donated to local children who might not have the chance to ever watch Premier League football. Um, the club has made a number of tickets available to children via the Rocking Horse Children's Charity, uh, Extra Time. It's a charity that works with children and young people with disabilities in Brighton and Hove, uh, and by working with Brighton and Hove City's Council Fostering Services. Um, the tickets are those which have been reclaimed from fans who have been excluded from the stadium due to anti-social behaviour. Um, there's a couple of these 
there's a couple of these incidents that have happened of recent um people being idiots on twitter people being idiots within the stadium threatening to beat up stewards or, or medical staff um it's quite quite unbelievable and i don't want to go too deep into that side because you know this is a positive and we should keep it that way but they're no longer allowed at games and good riddance uh and the club has reallocated the seats within the stadium and these people are able to get a chance they never would have had uh paul barber um we have no desire whatsoever to profit from the unacceptable and antisocial behavior of a small number of people by reselling tickets we have confiscated from them. We do, however, want to put the seats they have vacated to good use throughout the remainder of the season, and in particular to give local kids the chance to see Brighton play Premier League football who might not otherwise have had that opportunity. Uh, it's an ideal way to turn a negative into a positive um, and to continue to fill the Amex with as many young fans as possible as often as possible. Um... Yeah, what brilliant, what brilliant work, really. Um, the move has been welcomed by three local organisations. Uh, the club has been accommodating to ensure the young people we support who have a range of disabilities and additional needs can enjoy the matchday experience. Um, there's an access to an inclusion room. Um, you know, there were like I'm sure a lot of these these kids that already go to these places who are in the fostering system and are within Sussex are probably already uh, football fans, maybe even Brighton fans. Um, it still is for the most part a working class sport, and to be able to provide them the opportunity is a super cool thing for the Albion to do, and it just makes you proud to be a Brighton fan because they uh, they've really turned this one on its head, and you know. They've also done a cheeky bit of marketing too. Why not? Um, when you're turning something into such a positive outcome, why not get the marketing and the uh, spotlight it should get? So it was great to read and I'm really happy for them. Uh, and I hope the kids go on to wear the blue and white all the way through. Um, I thought it was a great time or a great opportunity to go off the back of my story number four with such a positive story number three. Um, so... We're on to story number two, and we're going at quite a pace here, um, but it is what it is. Um, I'm sure I'll have plenty to say in the next two, uh, as you can imagine. Uh, story number two is Derby County at home. Uh, we have an FA Cup game coming up next. We have uh, quite some time between now and our next Premier League fixture away at Leicester. Um, and what do we do now? Um, as you can probably guess, my number one story of the week is uh, yesterday's game against Burnley. Um... And we have a decision to make. Um, we have 10 days after the FA Cup game to recoup and uh, decide what we're going to do. Um, Izquierdo is now training. Um, we obviously were beaten yesterday and convincingly. Um, and it's just a case of what Hutton wants to do. Um, now, my viewpoint is that it's it's probably time to uh, put out a full-strength squad in the FA Cup. We have the time. Um, to do it we have the the gap in games to do it um, so I would like to see uh, Ryan take the goalkeeping role as usual um, he needs it he's had a couple of really poor games and I think it's I think he needs that consistency in between the sticks uh, Bruno at right back Duncan Duffy and Bernardo obviously uh, that's the back four I would pick uh, Knockout, proper Bissouma March uh, in a 4-4-1-1 uh, with Gross and Murray up top um, and if, if his Kieto is fit enough, I would love to see him come on for half an hour at the end. Um, I think that bringing his Kieto back into the fold, he's going to have had nine days worth of training 
Um, we don't know what level of fitness he's at, but if it's a preseason level, um, I don't see any reason not to bring him on for those 30 minutes at the end to get him some match time. Um, and he's then effectively going to have another, what, 16, 10 days, 16, 10 days extra after that to continue his preseason effectively. Um, and I think it's a really good time to warm him in and bring him in for the, the crucial games in March. So I hope his Kiedo makes a squad, and that's my that's the that's the eleven I would go with. I think it's time to not only possibly go on a cup run, um, but I think it's time to you know, these are the players that should be playing every game. We have the game time to give them. While it's great to give Kyle and Gaia Keres and, you know, clear backup players a chance to play, um, this is this is now a different uh, mentality we need to going in with. Um, we need to win this game. Um, losing to them at home is going to do nothing for the confidence of this team. So we need to go out there and treat this like a like a Premier League tie and win it. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what Hutton does if he goes with a backup team. Um, I, I'm not sure on what that's going to represent in terms of a, a mental approach or even just a regular approach. I'm, I'm not sure that's the right way to go. So fingers crossed um, we go for a full strength side. And if we win, you know, we can go on a cheeky cup run. Why not? Um, we have a lot of teams knocked out that are super strong. Um, I believe we have one big tie in this round. Is it Man City, Man United? I believe there's a huge tie at some point um, in this FA Cup next round. Uh Gosh, it's eluded me. But there's a there's two big teams playing each other, and that would wipe out another one of them. Um, so you know, as we go through, the the possibility of playing these big teams is really starting to dwindle because they're beating each other. Um, and now is as good a time as ever to get that cup run going. So my fingers are crossed that we can get a win against Derby, uh, get that necessary punch to the confidence back, um, and hopefully kickstart. Our final running of the season, um, because we are in episode twenty-eight and we are getting towards the end of things here. So let's let's hope that we can sort it out and turn it around. Um, and that leads on perfectly to my number one story of the week, um, and that was the Burnley game. <laughs> uh, this one is going to be a real crappy one to cover um, because we got tanked three-one at home. Oh, I'm going to take a drink of water for this one. I think I'm going to need it. Uh, it's a shame there isn't anything stronger at half past 11 in the morning. All right. We'll go the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, the good. Well, the good is that we we really bossed the game from the word go in terms of statistically. Um, we had a lot more shots. We had 68% possession. Um, we had several incredibly dangerous chances. Uh, we got into positions where we should have scored. Um, and better players probably would have. Um, Solly March should have really scored. He put it straight at the keeper. Uh, Gross was very unfortunate not to have his lifted over the top of Heaton. And honestly, give him give give Heaton like half an inch less height, and he it goes straight over his head, and Murray nods it in. Uh, Heaton was in unbelievable form. Don't get me wrong, but we could have scored. Um, and another part of the good for me is Duffy. Uh, he did very little wrong, even conceding the three goals, uh, and he did get the goal for us. Um, he was a constant threat at set pieces. Uh, he looked on great form. Um, you know, it was a dodgy block that put the ball into the bar early, but, uh, three shots, two on target, nine aerial battles, one, um, 
that's honestly good form for a centre half. Uh, you would expect that stat line from a centre forward, um, but he was he was all over the shop and he looked like he wanted it. Um, but you know, according to him, Burnley wanted it more, and we may as well just get straight into the bat. Um, where do you start, really? Uh, Stevens looked unfit and unready to play. Uh, every pass was backwards or sideways again. Um, and as the season has progressed, he's looked less and less on the ball with his uh, decision making. Um, his saving grace is usually his economy on the ball. Really, he's very he very rarely gives it away. Um, he's very rarely uh, you know playing us into trouble. Um, but that wasn't the case today. Uh, pretty much every pass forward he made, and there weren't many of them, um, he gave away. Uh, you know, the time is coming to ask questions about Dale Stevens. Um, Lucardia looked off the pace as well. He's gone backwards since the new year in quite spectacular fashion. Um, you know, Murray was anonymous. Uh, in a 4-4-2 or even the old 4-4-1-1, he probably would still be lethal. Um, but in this current mold of 4-3-3, it really doesn't work for him. Um, the 4-3-3 formation we're currently playing feels like it was custom made for Andone and we're not playing Andone uh even before the ban we weren't playing him we weren't starting him in Premier League games uh before Christmas until well after Christmas um so I'm not sure why we persisted with it uh Montoyo had a terrible game yesterday he kept getting caught out over and over again uh in that first half probably four or five times he got a ball over his head on the diagonal Warren um and he just couldn't deal with it um he got no help, really, from Solly, and he really just had an awful game. Um, you know, their heads look like they've well and truly gone. Um, when a couple of the players went off yesterday, Gross and Stevens, they walked straight down the tunnel. Um, you know, it's not a good attitude to look like they've got. Um, and Hutton needs to act now uh, to turn this around. You know, one win in 11, 4-3-3 uh, three, three clearly isn't working. Um, so here's my solution. Here's, here's Josh's solution on how we can solve this problem. Um, because what's the point in complaining if I don't have a solution, right? And I'm not being paid the big bucks and Hutton knows best, but here's my here's my alternative take. Uh, Stevens isn't cutting it. And I think we need to go back to 4-4-1-1. Uh, this 4-3-3 experiment needs to end. Um, and I need to we need to really move forward sooner than later with Bissouma and Proper as our middle too. Um, we've spent a lot of money in the summer. It's time to start using that money uh, because we're currently sitting on the bench with it. Um, I think we need to go back to 4-4-1-1. We need to have Bissouma and Proper in the middle with Gross ahead of them. Uh, the 4-3-3 is killing Pascal Gross. Excuse me. We're kill it's killing Pascal Gross. Um, he is a shadow of the player he once was uh, last year. It it is not a position he's very good at. Um, it just doesn't work for him. Um, he doesn't have the pace to keep doing that. It's just not working. Um, and the 4-3-3 is isolating Murray. Um, you know, he isn't that dynamic, super mobile player that Andoni is. And the change back to 4-4-1-1 would help him. Um, to me, you would have to have March or Rally Razor on the left um, and have Knockout on the right. It doesn't really matter um, which side you want to put him on, but I think Jahan Baksh needs to get some game time before before now uh, with Izquierdo not fit yet. Um, and I think ultimately uh, the 4-4-1-1 the we want to be looking at playing uh, in the future is 
the future best formation with no injuries uh, is not a 4-3-3. Um, it's a 4-4-2 or a 4-4-1-1. Um, and that's Mark Ryan in goal. Uh, Bruno or Montoya at right back. I would bring Bruno back for now. Um, next year, probably Montoya would get the start, obviously. Um, I think he still needs to adjust. He came into the Premier League and was absolutely brilliant. But he just looks off the pace sometimes. And I think he needs to continue to adapt. Um Duncan Duffy at centre-half, obviously, and Bernardo at left-back. Uh, I would like to see Ali Razor on the right, Stephen uh, Proper and Bissouma in the middle, and Izquierdo on the left. And I would like to see Gross and Murray up front, or Gross and Andone up front, or Murray and Andone up front as a 4-4-2-2. 4-4-2, goodness me. Um, you know, it it's not working right now. We have... Uh, Ali Razor on the bench, you know, we've, we've spent a whole bunch of money on him. We have Bissouma on the bench. We've spent a ton of money on him. We have Bernardo still on the bench when he's supposed to be fit. A ton of money on him. Um, we're not playing the players that we've signed to do a job. And Andone, we, we would chase him for two years. And he still can't get a spot ahead of Murray. Um, the 4-3-3 is isolating Murray. It's killing Pascal Gross. Um, and... Honestly, he Hutton has to act, um, or else questions are going to be asked about how we should move ahead with him. Um, I don't think we. I am not in the in the Hutton out camp, um, and if we go down, I want to keep him too because I don't know anyone better suited, and I don't know who can replace him now. Um, if we were to go down, I think he absolutely has to stay on. Um, I'm sure he would revert back to the four four two that won the the one promotion. Um, and probably would walk the league with it if he could keep the majority of his players. And I think he probably would do a pretty good job of keeping them for one year. Um, and I think he would play 4-4-2, um, and I honestly think we would win the league at a canter. Um, and if we were, there's been a lot of discussion about the possibility of Hutton out right now, and I don't know who we would replace him with, um, you know. Mourinho and Guardiola aren't going to walk down to the Albion tomorrow. So who is it that we're we're wanting? Who is it that Albion fans realistically think are going to be a better long-term prospect than Chris Hutton? Um, because as of right now, I don't know. Um, if we were to stay up and we get to the summer, uh, I think it's worth having a conversation as to who could possibly... Uh, come in after Chris, uh, whether we've gone as far as we can with Chris, whether he's going to continue to change things up or keep things the same, um, it's up to him. But I don't think the idea of Chris out is not the right thing to do, but the next couple of games are really pivotal in the way the fans are going to react. Um, everybody can see we need to make those cutthroat decisions. Um, and is Chris going to do be the one to do them? Um, for all the for all the sentimentality of we played well or you know we've we, these are the players that did so well in the championship like we're not in the championship and we've not won more than one game in the last 11 um sentimentality has to go out the window football's a fickle business and like I said, we spent a lot of money in the summer and it's time to start utilizing those players and if not then ship them out at the end of the season but at least we've tried um because now is now is the time to go for it. Um, and this 4-3-3 is just horrific. You know, there was an interesting stat I, I was I saw posted in my WhatsApp group earlier. Um, overall distance is covered by the team. Last season, we were 8th, and this season, we are 18th. And 
you know, this is evident whenever we go back on a game that we've been beaten by and we almost every single game call out the fact that we're being caught out in the midfield or losing the midfield battle. And yesterday, Fulham, Watford, all of them are apparent. Like, the the lack of movement in the midfield is just unbelievable. And, you know, we're 18th in, in distance covered and it shows. Um, and, you know, we're not even onto the ugly yet. So let's get onto the ugly. Um... All right, the ugly is twofold. Um, we conceded three goals at home. <laughs> you know, that's atrocious, uh, especially in the fashion that we did it. Um, that's now seven goals conceded away at Fulham and at home to Burnley. And, you know, before before Burnley, we hadn't lost a, a fixture against anybody in the tops, against anybody outside of the top six at home. Um, the one thing we can always rely on is our consistency at home and we can't do it. Um, and that's just not okay. Um, it was bad, you know, and the second part of the twofold is, (laughs) is Stuart Atwell. Um, he wins the ugly performance of the day award, him and his officiating staff. Uh, I don't think we can discount the fact that we conceded three at home. And I don't think we can discount the fact that we've, you know, we've conceded, we've lost, well, not lost. We've not won, more than one game in the last 11 but the officiating performance yesterday was another level of bad um he missed two clear penalties uh he made numerous poor decisions that went Burnley's way um the officiating was just awful from start to finish um I'm sure there won't be any punishment because that obviously means that the FA have to accept that their referee made some pretty hefty mistakes um and I'm sure he'll be managing a game next week because that's the way they work um the fact of the matter is that I've been harping on about the idea that VAR can't come soon enough and we're in real danger of it never even mattering to us because we might not be here next season. Um, and it just sucks to have referees perform that way. You know, the Burnley fans, were, the Burnley players were walking off the pitch, absolutely ripping into the referee. They were laughing their heads off because of how poor he was, because they they knew they'd got away with an easy win because he was so bad. You know, they were gesturing at the handballs they made and what they got away with on the field. That's how bad the referee was, that he was being mocked on camera, on the field, on their way off. That is how, that is where we're at right now with English refereeing. We have gotten to a point where a man can take his shirt off, celebrate in the crowd for probably over a minute, and the referee not see that shirt come off and not buck him. We have gotten to a point where a player can quite literally punch the ball away with his hand and feign head injury. We've gotten to a point where a player can make total control with his hands right in front of the referee and the referee not bother blowing for a pen. Uh... It's just atrocious, and I I tweeted yesterday like it's really not a it's really not a shock that these these referees didn't get a single place in the World Cup because they're not good enough. They're embarrassing, um, and you know there's nothing more to be said about it. Like we've still only won one game in the last eleven. It's still incredibly poor, but by God, we've not been given the best opportunity to have a good referee in that like situation, have we? Um, so that's it from me this week. Um, we will be back next week, obviously. Um, and that's my mistake. Actually, I have one more thing to put in here. Um, 
and it is uh, it's some viewpoints from uh, David for West Brom. Um, and I apologise for not putting this in sooner. And I don't want to. F- Let's finish on this note simply because we won. Um, so I know some people were maybe disappointed after the first fixture, but I really enjoyed watching the nil-nil fixture, and it was similarly exciting to watch today's game. Uh, weird first two goals, and then Murray coming on, even though they only had ten men, showed a lot. Uh, I per- I usually prefer Andone, but well done to finish it out, Glenn Murray. Uh, this is my own comment here. I do- would like to shout out the fact that he scored with his dick. Um, it was nice to have a game that didn't have the stress of the top flight, and I think that really goes in line with the Derby game coming up too. Uh, Knockart did well, was happy with Basuma in the midfield, and Doni is a very hard worker. Uh, besides Balogun turning off for an odd second and the bong chance, it was a quite lovely game to enjoy in the midweek. Uh, while keeping survival a priority, let's play another great game against Derby and get to the quarterfinals and keep letting our second string players get minutes. Uh, yeah, thanks David. I'm going to finish on that note because that was a nicer note than the rest of it that I went through. So I'm kind of glad I forgot to put that in until now. Um, Derby next. Let's hope we can get a win and keep this cup run going. God, we need something good to come out of this lot. So fingers crossed. I'll see you all next week. Uh, feel free to at me at TogetherBHA. Uh, send me any thoughts, feelings, concerns. I will be able to address them all next week after the Derby game with a look ahead to what happens next.